0: School days, school days, dear old golden
1: rule days. And we are back in the morning, in the morning and, and it is school time. It is a school the time. Is that teaching The total moon. eclipse has everybody American ready to History stare at the daytime moon. Uh, the school bells ring tomorrow, well, Tuesday. And some remember last year's tragic start. We'll talk to somebody about that. A new but familiar bar and grill is coming to downtown Anderson. An update on the superheroes who are here in town and looking ahead to celebrate Anderson and some other news here on the Anderson Observer podcast for August the 20th, 2017 from the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. And as always, the podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill and Sullivan's Cater's. The best food on the planet, and I'll tell you more about that in a bit. But meanwhile, stick around to the very end for some big news at the bottom of this podcast. Well, we're back on our weekly fall schedule, fall and winter, after a truncated summer of podcasts here on the Anderson Observer, and we have a lot to catch up on. It has been another great week in Anderson, and the weather has been summertime brutal, as you all know. The days are getting shorter, though, and we're almost out of August, winding into September. summer is uh, over, and school has started again. I've been talking to each of the superintendents over the past few weeks, and we'll run those interviews in numerical order uh, this week, starting with uh, District 5 Superintendent uh, Tom Wilson. Uh, I'll be running some special podcasts during the remainder of the week ahead, rather than just weekly, to get all the podcast interviews in. Um, I did these interviews, and I did videos. I'll tell you about those. They're on the the Anderson Observer YouTube channel, if you want to check those out and see the video of the guys talking. Well, Tuesday is the day school starts, and it's right after the Great American Eclipse, And Anderson University and Clemson University also start classes this week. And if you haven't noticed, all the move-in traffic has been pretty crazy. And in case you haven't heard, they're calling for, and I'm a little dubious about this number, between 64,000 and 200,000 visitors to our county for the Eclipse events. So be patient with our visitors. We do have people here from all over the world, literally, and hotel rooms have been full for months. And Anderson County's own Mr. Eclipse, Glenn Brill, who is director of parks and recreations for the county, and who's been working on this event, believe it or not, since 2012, had this to say about the eclipse. Um, first of all, this is a big deal for Anderson County, right? Uh,
2: this will be the biggest event our county has ever seen and probably ever will see. I'm liking it, I mean, for to give people an idea, I'm saying it's like five Clemson home football games on the same day at the same time. Um, For 9.6 million people, Anderson County is the closest spot to the centerline of the eclipse. That's according to greatamericanclips.com. And it estimates our county will see between 60,000 and 245,000 tourists on August 21st. And since our county's population is 200,000, it could double on eclipse day. you know, we've got uh, all of our hotels and campgrounds uh, have, have been sold out for at least six months. Uh, we're hearing from people now who are getting rooms in Spartanburg and driving to Anderson to be for the with the Eclipse. Uh, we're also hearing people getting rooms in Northeast Georgia and planning to drive to Anderson. Uh, certainly the advice I have for local residents is if you've got Eclipse viewing glasses, just stay home because when we have totality from 237 to 239 p.m., the sun will be 63 degrees above the horizon, so it'll be visible from anywhere. Uh, so our roads are going to be really crowded with people who've never been here, and maybe they're a little distracted. So uh, I would, you know, if I were, if I wasn't throwing two eclipse parties, I would just be at home in my backyard looking at the eclipse on Monday afternoon.
1: Well, what? Uh, that's a good point you brought up there. I mean, law enforcement is going to be pretty busy, it sounds like.
2: They are, yeah. They they will be very busy. I know the city of Anderson I think is running a double shift on Eclipse Day. I know at Green Pond we'll have our Sheriff's Department Mobile Command Center and deputies and we'll also have uh, deputies at the Civic Center for the blackout at the Civic Center. Uh, we'll also have ambulances at both Green Pond and the Civic Center just in case uh, something happens. Uh, and certainly one of the things we'll be watching for is people who don't live in the southeast are not going to be prepared for our heat and humidity. So you know, we as county employees will just be keeping an eye on the crowd to make sure that uh, you know nobody's getting into trouble because they're not drinking enough water or they've been in the sun too long. I know at Green Pond, we're going to have um, our Special Populations Recreation 14-passenger minibus there, and we'll fire that up as a, as a cooling station if, if we get some people who need to cool off. Uh, now, at the Civic Center, we won't have that issue because people can just walk into the Civic Center and cool off. Uh, and when I've been talking to people who I know are not from this region, for example, we've got a family of four from England staying at the Red Roof Inn in Anderson. I only told them about the blackout at the Civic Center because I knew there's no way they're prepared for what August weather is like in Anderson County, South Carolina.
1: Right. And the, and the Green Pond thing, uh, because parking's limited to what, like 500 spaces or something?
2: Yeah, we're, we're probably going to see 3,000 people max at Green Pond. And actually, I started messaging on our Blackout at Green Pond Facebook page yesterday saying, before you leave home, have a plan B, because right. we'll post on uh, the Blackout at Green Pond Facebook page when we fill up. And if you're on the road, you need to have another option. And certainly, we are certainly promoting the Blackout at the Civic Center on our Blackout at Green Pond Facebook page. We're also on both pages listing all 21 of the public viewing sites that we're aware of, so
1: people have options. Well, how early if somebody wanted to go to Green Pond should they be out there? Would you think?
2: Well, we're not. We are not.
1: Okay.
2: Green Pond on Saturday after the last boat leaves, we are locking the gates. All right. It'll be closed all day Sunday, so we can do some setup. Uh, the gates will reopen at uh, one p.m. 8 a.m. on Eclipse Day, Uh, but also you will not be able to launch your boat from Green Pond on August 21st. We're just going to have way too many people there to have boats and and trucks and trailers trying to mix in with that crowd.
1: Right. Well, if people come early, are there going to be, I mean, do they need to bring a lunch or what do they need to do if somebody comes early?
2: Well, definitely, uh, we ever at both of our sites, people can bring in their own food and drink, just not alcoholic beverages. I mean, we will have food and drink available on site, but definitely, you know, bring that you know, sunscreen for sure, something to keep yourself in the shade, and uh, you know, it's just just be prepared because it's going to be a long hot day. And it's going to have a wonderful surprise at 237 when we have totality, but you just need to be ready uh, in between the time to just prepare. Uh, At both the Civic Center and Green Pond, we will have entertainment from noon to 5 p.m., at the uh, Civic Center, we're having the band Random Acts perform. And at Green Pond, we're having uh, local DJ Ben Phillips will be spinning tunes. We'll also have uh, some Channel 7 on-air personalities will be at Green Pond acting as MCs. And also at Green Pond, we'll have Anderson University Astronomy Professor Robert Freese to provide expertise and insight on the eclipse and what to expect. It's also important to note that at no time during the eclipse is it safe for you to look at the sun unless you're wearing viewing glasses. Uh, We don't want to see people permanently damaging their eyesight trying to look at the eclipse without uh, viewing glasses. And we will have viewing glasses while supplies last at both uh, Green Pond and the Civic Center. The glasses will be free. We're certainly encouraging people to bring their own glasses if they can. Right. And one of the things I hope, because we've got two minutes, 34 seconds of totality, that people will share glasses with somebody who may not have a pair, because you really don't need to spend two and a half minutes
1: staring at the sun. <laughs> um, so that's one of my hopes as well. And you, I know we've talked about this before, but there are people, you mentioned England. We've had people from all over yep. the world uh, contact you about, about this event here, yes. right?
2: Yes, our Blackout of Green Pond Facebook page has fans from 20 different states and seven foreign countries. Uh, Besides the the family from England, I know we're going to have a couple from the Netherlands at the Civic Center. And I've been talking via Facebook for probably... Five months with a family from madrid spain that plans to be here at uh, green pond for the eclipse event wow so uh, for those of us in tourism it's a wonderful opportunity that we're going to have people here who will probably be their first visit and if they like their experience they may come back for a future leisure or business visit or maybe come here and play in a sports tournament so it's a great marketing opportunity for us for sure
1: right so uh are you excited about it have you ever seen an eclipse I have never seen an
2: eclipse. I'm quite excited. Uh, I, I'm not worried because I know we've got a good plan in place for both of our viewing sites that we'll be able to take care of people. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I've never been to an eclipse. And, you know, there are eclipses like every couple years if you want to travel. But here in Anderson County, the last time we had an eclipse, I think, was during the Revolutionary War. And the next time we'll have one is in 2078. So, pretty much for everybody here now, this is your only chance to see a total solar eclipse unless you want to travel.
1: And so the best place for people to uh, keep up with the latest information is at the Facebook pages, correct?
2: Yes, it's uh, Blackout at Green Pond, Blackout at the Civic Center. Uh, also, we have a link right on the home page of our county website listing uh, all of the uh, 21 eclipse viewing venues in our county. Um, so yeah, the the information's out there.
1: Well, that's great. Well, Glenn, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Sure. Right. No so, problem. Thanks, Greg. And I will be out at Green Pine uh, talking to people, looking especially some of our international visitors, for the event. So if you get out there early enough, you better get there early. The gates open at 8 a.m. at Green Pine, and they expect them to be full before 9. Uh, Civic Center will have a little bit more room, so you can still get to the Civic Center if it's full at Green Pine but it should be something else. Again, you can check out the Facebook pages, Blackout at Green Pine, Blackout at the Civic Center. It will give you all of the uh, the list of the places. It's also been in the Anderson Observer several times and in other places where you can view the eclipse if you want to go to a party-like, fun atmosphere. And again, be especially client- kind in the next few days because we do have visitors from all over the place. And um, also parents and students are going to be on the road headed back to school. And you know what new drivers are like going to school. So... Let's show a little uh, extra southern uh, hospitality here from Anderson County and show people what a great place this is, because it may be one of the only chances they get to visit, or if they come back to this country, they may want to come back by Anderson again. Hope so. And we don't have any superheroes expected to turn out for the eclipse, since most most of them left town. After the Anderson County Library Comic Con event earlier in the month, that event was well attended, with costume crusaders of all kinds. Things people I'd recognized, people I'd never heard of. I was out there, talked to a bunch of folks. Everybody was having fun. They had food trucks and all kind of other things. And Anderson County a Digital Librarian, I don't, there were no digital librarians. They're the only thing, the only digits on the librarian when I was growing up were like their fingers and toes. But Digital Librarian Brianna McDonald said it was a really big success. I am talking to Anderson County Digital Librarian, Brianna McDonald, and we're talking about first about how well Comic-Con, tell me about Comic-Con. I was there, lots of people, lots of superheroes. Tell me how, how that went.
3: Yeah, uh, for us it was a really fantastic day. Um, we had tons of really great feedback, just that it's a great event for, our, not only for our community, for but for a chance for our families to kind of get together and you know, and really spend the day enjoying what they enjoy. And um, a lot of people loved all the different costumes and the creativity that that people come up with. And, you know, we were just really, really pleased with with how it turned out and how much people enjoyed it and enjoyed themselves.
1: Well, also you might want to remind people that that have not, you know, that are of a certain generation, uh, that there's something more to comics now than just uh, funny books. There's something else going on there with the whole comics scene.
3: Oh. Oh, definitely you know you have you know, you still have a lot of your 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 popular superhero comics, so you know following Captain America, following Wolverine
0: um but you also
3: have a lot of comics that are really getting you know telling really interesting stories you have comics like paper girls that you know is looking at an alien invasion and you know and 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 newspaper girls <laughs> battling against them you know you have a lot of really creative um sort of off-the-wall formats that are coming out and it's a great way to to read um uh it's a great way for for everyone to enjoy stories in kind of a unique and very artistic format and you know we're so pleased to have those creators joining us um and talking about their works and sharing kind of just the, the love of reading across all formats um with with um with us and
1: a lot of people might be surprised to learn you, that content is available at the Anderson County Library as well, at Comics.
3: Yeah. Um, so in addition to having, you know, comics and graphic novels that you can check out at any of our locations, uh, we also have uh, digital comics through a service called Hoopla, where, you know, you can read on your smartphone, you can read them on your tablet, you can read them on your computer, and you don't even have to come into the library to do it. You just have to have a library card with us.
1: And I guess the next big, well, of course, y'all going to do Comic-Con again next summer, right?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, we're we are planning to do it next August, okay, great. All right, but now yeah. immediately
1: coming up, y'all've got a big eclipse events uh, series of events coming up at all the branches on Monday, right?
3: We do. Um, we are so excited that um you know, we have eclipse viewing parties happening at all of our locations. We'll be giving away free eclipse classes starting at twelve forty five at all of our locations. um, and then we are having we have, games and activities for kids and for adults we have we'll be doing some live streaming of the eclipse for people who don't want to go outside necessarily you know who want to stay inside with the air conditioning (laughs) um and you know we're we're so excited to you know to be able to provide the glasses for people to view the eclipse safely and to also join us at the library it's you know free we're just going to be either in the parking lot or in the front yard and you know, we're we're really excited about this event. It's, it's going to be pretty amazing, I think.
1: And it's at all branches, right?
3: It's at all of our branches, yeah. So we, um, you know, all of our libraries are open the whole day, um, but we won't start giving away glasses until 1245, and then we'll begin all the activities starting at 1.
1: Okay. Well, it's an exciting time. And uh, I know, you know, the people who, who've uh, talked to me about the Comic-Con, and I, and I was there and, and took some video, and uh, people had a really good time, and looked, it was it was, uh The most costumes I've seen there. And now we've got this big eclipse event coming up. And if anybody wants to find anything else about Anderson County Library, then look at your Facebook page or find you online and uh, find out all the stuff going on at the library, right?
3: Right. We are more than happy to, you know, have you come in or give us a call or visit us online and, you know, we'll be, you know, we're happy to answer any questions you have.
1: And the library will be a great place if you've made, not made a decision. There's a library branch near you no matter where you live in Anderson County, and you can catch, go down there and they'll have glasses for you, and it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. They have a lot of other events going on at the library that day, and you can go duck in and out of where it's cool. So uh, there'll be a lot of nice places to view it, so this eclipse won't be around in most of our lifetimes. There may be a few of you out there who are under the age of 20 that might live into your 90s and get to see another one, but that's not very likely for most of us. So. Um, next year's a costume event, the Comic-Con event, expect to be even bigger, and you can start sewing your costumes now. Or maybe you should wait, because a new Burgers and More place is coming to downtown Anderson in early October, and Jeff Rains and Jeff Durkee are opening Rains on Main, which will be a bar and grill in the old Fox English pub location, which will offer the same menu as Arnold's Famous Hamburgers, the food you all know and love, the delicious burgers and other stuff they've added to the menu along with a full bar, which none of the Arnolds offers or ever will. Plus they'll have multiple TVs for sports sporting events. It's gonna be somewhat of a sports bar, screens and TVs, plus pool tables and a whole lot more. And I talked to those investors, Gary and Jeff, about the new venture last week. All
4: right, uh, I'm Gary Durkee, and this is Jeff Rains. Jeff Rains. Um,
5: How we got into it is, uh, I used to run a, a little bar and grill for about nine and a half years. Sold it four years ago and decided that, you know, I really like that schedule. Where was that, Jeff? It used to be Maui Bar and Grill uptown. okay. Before it turned into Maui Club, you know. Okay,
1: okay. And this place is obviously a nice building, nice location, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good, good location. What are y'all gonna call the place and what kind of food are you gonna have? and?
5: Oh, the name's gonna be Rains on Maine. Bar and grill. Like
1: it. And you said you're going to be open Tuesday,
5: Tuesday through Saturday. Tuesday through Saturday, open at eleven a.m. every day. And close when? Oh, uh, don't know yet. Eleven. Okay. You know, of course, we'll stay. we'll never be open past twelve. But we'll stay. You know, if there's a good game on, we got a decent little crowd here. We'll stay here. You know, till twelve. But never open past twelve. I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: What people who had been in here before when it was the Fox. What will they notice different when they come in in terms of what you guys plan to do with the space?
5: Well, to be honest with you, I never I never walked in the door when it was Fox. I didn't even know, really realize it was here. But we're, we're shooting for a sports bar with kind of a, a upper-class atmosphere but middle-class prices, you know. And uh, we're gonna focus on service, service, service. We want your experience to be great when you come in, tell your friends about it. We're not trying to jab you on the prices. We're wanting to keep the prices reasonable.
1: And what kind of food? You're saying sports bar, what kind of food?
4: Okay, so at all of our Arnold's we have, we don't serve alcohol. And we will never serve alcohol at any Arnold's. But there's a lot of people that enjoy the Arnold's food that would like to have a drink. So what we've done with Jeff, we've kind of partnered up in helping him grow his business. We're going to design a small menu based off of a lot of our favorites from the Anderson store, the Belton store, and the new Powdersville store. With that said, we've been doing hamburgers for 40 years. They're all fresh-grinded, hand-pattied. We get probably about 100 pounds of hamburger meat in every store every day that is in 10-pound bags, and we hand-patty it into a five-ounce patty or an eight-ounce hamburger steak. So with that, we've also added salmon and steak and smothered chicken to our other stores. And we do it all for under $10. I don't think there's any place downtown Anderson where you can get an eight ounce grilled salmon with two sides for nine ninety-nine. You can't get, we probably have the best steak, best sirloin in town. I put it up against Outback, Longhorn. They, they can't compete with the quality of food that we sell for the prices we sell. Please. So you're
1: really you're gonna have Arnold's food. The people who are used to, I mean, I've been eating Arnold's for forty years. So if mean, you're
4: used to Arnold's food, you're gonna get the same exact type cheeseburger. Now, with that said, we're gonna do some more. Yeah, some specialty burgers. We're gonna have some specialty burgers, right. like a pimento cheeseburger, uh, what they call the hangover burger with a fried egg on top, and and the, also the normal Arnold's all the way cheeseburger with chili, mustard, and onions. So you're gonna have- That's my favorite. You're gonna have that, that, who who doesn't like that one? But you're also gonna have, we're gonna have a decent fish and chips with it. We're gonna have some wings. Gonna be a very small menu so we're able to execute it properly, quickly, and consistently. With that said, you just, with us not being, our overhead's not huge. We don't have a lot of corporate costs. We don't have, we were able to make a great deal here for this building. So we're able to sell, our food costs can be a couple points higher in order to get that quality and that price to the customer. If I, I guarantee if you go in any one of my Arnold's and you eat a piece of salmon from us, you will be back to eat that same piece of salmon.
1: Big salmon, we we right.
4: do we do great baked potatoes. So our size will be baked potatoes, sweet potato fries, fries, fried okra, fresh green beans, and steamed broccoli. So you got a kind of a variety of mixture. So if you want to go healthy, you can go right. healthy. If you want to have a cheat day, you get your double cheese. And see, when I came in with Arnold, we opened up Belton together, right. and then I kind of bought him out of Anderson, but he's still my, the founding father of the company. Right. He's we're partners, mm-hmm. and you know we just he's he's allowed me to do little things like take credit cards in Anderson. Right. We never took credit cards right. before. He didn't. he didn't. We have a drive through there now. I don't know if you know that. Did not know that. Uh, the so drive. We have to
1: announce some of these other things right here. The drive throughs mm-hmm.
4: just doing great, and and when we decided to come into this to this with Jeff, it was great being able to do it because I have Arnold also as basically he's my, my partner, my silent mm-hmm. partner. And, We're here to help Jeff get off his feet, kind of guide him in the right direction of a full service business. We've already hired a general manager, I can't tell you who, but we've hired a general manager that's gonna come in. So we're excited about that. We've got some other prospects for another manager out there. And so we're looking to probably have a hire about, we probably have about a staff of 20, 15 to 20 people. With a payroll probably hitting at about two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand a year. And plus, here's the other thing that separates us from every restaurant in the county: we give back so much money back in the community. We do charity nights. We do um, Belton. I believe we probably gave back almost thirty thousand back in the community with donations. Charity nights, things like that. We'll do the same thing here at this location. You know, twice a month, three times a month in Belton, we'll pick a church or someone will come to us and say, "Hey, we're looking to raise money," or for our baseball team. The city of Belton does a lot with us. They had a team that went probably to Hartsville, South Carolina, for their 10-12 and under baseball tournament. We did it little fundraiser form raised them 250 bucks, but they called us Friday for Monday. So we believe in taking care of our employees, our customers, and our community. That's the three things that we will do, and that's what I think will make us successful.
1: It's always good to see things coming in downtown and uh, we uh, hope they do well. We wish them the best. and I know people will, will enjoy eating down there and maybe watching a ball game on a big screen down there at Anderson's newest ball and bar and grill. And again, they're they're scheduled hopefully to open in early October. So uh, we wish them the best. And also, uh, one of the things that's happened since our last podcast, in case you missed it, the downtown dog park opened up, and it is running right along. It's right behind the library. It's very nice. Uh, folks could not be happier that have been using it. Been down there several times and, and watched folks and talked to folks. Uh, at the dedication last month, nobody could tell me... Uh, though one thing, and that's, I've always wondered why dogs get so excited when the doorbell rings, especially since it's almost never for them, but since nobody can answer that question, I asked him about the dog park. Uh, it was a good crowd, and people are bringing their pooches out there. It was a hot afternoon when they dedicated it, and Anderson City Councilman and Mayor Pro Tem Matt Harbin stood in for our mayor, Terrence Roberts, who is now back in full swing. He had been out there with some health problems, says he's all better now, and we're Grateful for that. He has sent out thanks and says to send out thanks to all the people who supported him and offered prayers and cards over the time he was ill, and um, he was not there that day. But here's what Harbin had to say about the Anderson
6: dog park. You know, Any time that, that, that groups of folks can get together and, and, and make something like this happen, it's important. And then then to answer the question specifically, why is it important to have a small dog park was, you know, in an urban area where we have a lot of folks living downtown that do not have the yard space to have an animal but want to have an animal, this affords them opportunity to have pets in the home. Now, do you have a dog? I do. I have Lucy. What kind of dog? She's a cockapoo. Now, she going to have fun out here? You know? She is, I'm for sure. I'm not sure. She doesn't play real well with others, but I, I'm sure that she will uh, she will enjoy it down here. I, I would love... Um, you know in the last 10 years there's been there's more residents living downtown and in this urban area and and we we anticipate that growth to continue to go up and i I would you know I, i anticipate families using this dog park to spend time together to spend with their pets to come for a cup of coffee you know to walk down from downtown just just family time and community time with their neighbors and and just just all around good time for folks to have. I, I did, I mentioned that, uh, you know, there's cameras here, and, and so, you know, we, we would, in, in our day and time, we have to have security, and folks have to feel secure, and, um, and, and so we, we have security here, so there shouldn't be any question about what went on or what happened, because everything's on camera.
1: Yeah, that dog park's a great place. If you've got a dog and looking for somewhere safe to go and walk in, they've got them separate parks. Two is split in half for dogs under 30 pounds, dogs over 30 pounds. A lot of room to run and play down there. Trees, and uh, it's just a nice place. I think as fall gets here and the leaves are changing and uh, people get out and enjoy the weather, um, there'll be a lot more people down there than there are even now. So appreciate all the folks who worked hard, the foundation, everybody who worked hard, uh, uh, Mr. Matters, and the folks who really put in the time to uh, make this happen, because Anderson does need a dog park, as Matt said. In other news this week, uh, Anderson County's unemployment rate jumped a little bit. It, um, it's up to uh, over 4% now, which is pretty much in line with either county in South Carolina. They all had pretty much jumps. Apparently, Ju- July is a bad time for seasonal workers, which is seasonally adjusted rate. Makes not a lot of sense if you read it carefully, but it was up across the state and across the upstate. Um, from the record lows down around 3.3 back in April-May area. Uh, 3.9 was the statewide number for unemployment, which is the lowest since 2000, the year 2000. So things are looking good, and if you've seen all the help-wanted signs, you get the idea that the economy's doing pretty well in Anderson. And it could get even better soon because there's a rumor that there's a gigantic announcement expected from Anderson, Economic, Anderson County's Economic Development Department in September. So stay tuned and watch the Anderson Observer newspaper, news from people you trust. For breaking details, I'll also put it on the Anderson Observer Facebook page as soon as it happens. So you'll be the first to find out what this new, I've been told it's by the Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns. It's a game changer. So we'll be excited to see what's going to happen there. If you remember back when the state started uh, promising some of the state gas tax money would come to the counties, well, we're getting a little bit here in Anderson County. Um, enough to pave 12.02 miles of roads. Those The roads are Cherry Street, Wilmot Street, Barnes Station Road, Baskin Road, Laurel Avenue, Ellison Road, Marlin Avenue, Gillespie Road, Major Road, Palmer Street, Smith Street, Rube, Ashley Road, Square Street, and Wick Campbell Road. I talked to uh, the person in charge of roads here in Anderson, Assistant Superintendent Holt Hopkins. Um, he's the one who makes sure the roads are repaired and helps... Um, maintain the, uh, priority of that too. And he said compared to previous years, it's a pretty good start on state secondary roads. Uh, we still need help and there's, you know, just not enough new money coming in for, for any money coming in for county maintained roads. So the county's still struggling to find money for that. And if I can, uh, mention it one more time, the, uh, hospitality tax, hospitality tax, hospitality tax. If you say it three times, does that mean it happens? I I wish. County council needs to reconsider that. There's no reason for us not to take advantage of countywide hospitality tax. I've talked to as many restaurateurs across the county who are either in areas that already have it or areas that don't, and the ones who don't say it won't make any difference at all, and people who can't afford to eat out because it's going to cost an extra, you know, two percent at the most um, really can't afford to eat out. So don't buy the arguments. But you know what? When you get ready to eat out, and no matter where you're traveling on whatever road, the very best place to stop and eat is Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill in downtown. They've been chosen as one of the top 100 restaurants in America multiple years in a row, That's, and they're one of only two in South Carolina on that list. The other's down in Charleston somewhere. If you've eaten there, you're not surprised by them being ranked that high, one of the top 100 restaurants. Think about how many restaurants there are in America. We've got one of the top right here in Anderson, South Carolina. So whether you're eating lunch or dinner, there's no better food anywhere. It's always fresh, great appetizers, perfect entrees, and the best desserts on the planet. And that's not an exaggeration. I promise you. Sabre and the folks down there. Uh, oh, man, unbelievable. Now, my favorites, of course, I always love the salmon and the steak. They're trigger fish. They're famous. They have a number of famous dishes. And on seasonally, when they have prime rib, there's not a better prime rib anywhere. And at lunch, if you want the best home-cooking kind of lunch you've ever had in your life, get the open-faced pot roast sandwich. I've never met anybody that didn't love that sandwich. You know, Bill and Sabra Nickas took a huge risk opening a fine restaurant in downtown Anderson 20 years ago, and the whole community owes them a huge debt of thanks since it kicked off a renaissance in downtown Anderson. And now they're offering that same great food for your event, corporate food, corporate event, family event, wedding parties, whatever, with Solomon's Cater's. Uh, You won't... Just I'm seriously, you won't believe the pricing. I've talked to so many people who've called them and could not believe it was cheaper than many of the little small-time chicken fingers or meat and three caterers around here. And the food and presentation will blow you away. They all look like major chefs. If you've seen pictures of it, it's just beautiful what they do, and the food's incredible. You can check them out at Sullivan'sCaters.com. Uh, that's the website, or at Sullivan Sullivan's Cater's Facebook page. And you can check out the restaurant and the menu at Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill. Uh, The menu for catering is on the catering site, too. But the menu for Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill is at their website or on their Facebook page. And you can thank me for pointing you towards Sullivan's, and you can invite me to their party. And as I said earlier, school is starting back in Anderson County, and the students report this week superintendents have been getting ready for some time. Teachers showed up last week. I've interviewed all five superintendents, and this week I will feature bonus podcasts with each one of them with some more news updates uh, after the eclipse and some other things. First, I want to pause, and I know we've all, we have all remember the Townville tragedy of early fall of last year when Jacob Hall, a student at the elementary school, Townville Elementary School, was gunned down on the playground during school time. Um, the community continues to heal from the event, and Anderson County School District 4 has done all they can to reduce the chance of such things happening again. And the superintendent for District 4, John Avery, wanted to make sure everyone knew about these efforts and also to thank all the brave teachers, the first responders, law enforcement, teachers, uh, everyone who had a part in this and has had a part in the healing of what's happened since that event.
7: It's been almost a year since the horrific tragedy at Townville Elementary School um, that took the life of one of our students, Jacob Hall. In um, thinking about that day, uh, we've... We've really reflected on things that we can um, learn from that tragedy, Um, but it's also been an opportunity to think about the things that went as well as they could have gone. Um, So I I certainly want to recognize Denise Fredericks and her staff for um, their quick response and their bravery because I I really believe in my heart it could have been a lot worse had they not um, been trained and, and maintained their composure and really focused on the safety of our students. Um, At the same time, we lost precious Jacob Hall, and um, he was an amazing young student, Um, um, was on his way out to the playground to, as all students do, to run and jump and be a child, and and tragically he lost his life. We uh, continue to grieve. Um, We miss him. Uh, He was a bright and shining star, um, always focused on making good choices, and was such a role model for being so faithful and um, modeling the kinds of behaviors that are so important in our world. As we look at that day and, and we move forward, um, we continue to have some challenges. Um, you know, we continue to provide mental health counseling for our um, students and staff. Uh, we also have Uh, put in place some extra floating subs just to be there as additional support for our teachers, should something trigger a moment where they need to have a break from instruction, if they hear a pop or something loud outside, they may need to have a break from instruction. And so we've got some um, long-term subs that are there to provide that support. In addition, um, in the weeks following the tragedy, we we actually hired an SRO and that position is currently funded through a national serve grant um, and will continue to be funded next year but that's just added another layer, an elevated layer of protection um, for that school. Um, So as we continue to look forward and and what we can do to help support, I think from the superintendent's perspective and our school board's perspective, perspective, is we're going to do whatever we need to do to provide that support for our Townville community and for our students and staff for as long as it's needed. Um, In the weeks following the shooting, we really, while we've always been very concerned about ensuring that our students and staff are safe and secure, when you are a victim of a school shooting, it does give a different perspective. You have a different lens in terms of how you see safety and security. And so one of the things that I did was did an actual walkthrough of all of our campuses with um, Anderson County Sheriff's Office and members of the SWAT team to better understand where our vulnerable areas are um, and to have these folks who understand how, you know, a criminal mind Um, Thinks to be able to identify those things that we might could look at doing differently, and so we've done several things um, since September in terms of just making our schools safer. Um, A couple examples would be, you know, we wanted a common language in terms of if if law enforcement had to respond at La France, Townville, or High School, that you know they know when they get to the school that the labeling of doors and hallways would be the same. And so we standardized that process, we've even created um, a law enforcement box that's actually hooked into our security system that has these maps, has a two-way radio, and other things that if they did need to respond, they would be able to have the tools that they need to better understand the situation. One of the things that was a surprise to us with the Townville shooting was that, you know, we assumed that the Knox box that's located on the outside of our schools um, that has a master key would be accessible to law enforcement. And what we learned is it's not. (laughs) You know, it's only accessible to our fire safety officials. So we've gone to all the schools and installed two Knox boxes so that law enforcement can have easy access to all of our schools as well as as fire safety. Um, Our parents will see and our students will see that we have increased the number of SROs in our schools. This year we've included a in our budget two additional SRO positions and then next year we'll pick up the grant funded position at Townville Elementary School as well as pick up the final six positions. And so by the end of next school year we will have six SROs which full time for one for every school in our district. You know clearly our first responders were our heroes that day. Um, they were there. They, they provided the support that was needed but then in the months to follow they were still there. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about when I'm um, asked to, to share some what we learned from this tragedy is how important it is to have those relationships with your first responders prior to when you need them. Because I believe in the Townville situation, that was very significant to how quickly help actually arrived on the scene. You know, in reflecting on the, the tragedy at Townville, Um, And doing some research just to better understand how other districts and schools handle the situation. Um, It was very sobering to me to see that we were the 196th school shooting since Sandy Hook in December of 2012. And that's a sad statistic. And, you know, when I think about also, you know, when I was in HR and I was hiring school nurses, I I never dreamed that I would be needing to hire nurses that would have to provide level one trauma care, you know, the the kind of care that you would see on a battlefield. Um, But sadly, that was our experience. And so now as we look forward, um, we want to be prepared. And so we've actually ensured that all of our schools have trauma kits, multiple trauma kits. Um, They're strategically placed, but even more so we've, you know, required our every staff member to understand what's in that trauma kit and how to use it. And it's not to be in place of the medical professionals that need to provide that care, but it's really to cut the time, you know, to be able to provide us with the skills in those seconds or those few minutes um, that are between when the incident happens and when medical care can get on the scene.
1: Again, a short video of my discussions with Joanne Avery, including a longer interview with her about the upcoming school year for Anderson School District 4 will run this week. And you can also see the video on the Anderson Observer um, YouTube page. So just check that out. You can see a lot of videos there about things going on, interviews with people. But today's interview with our superintendent, I uh, started with Anderson County School District 5's Tom Wilson, who's the superintendent of the largest district in the county. Uh, this interview was done before Hannah won their first football game Friday night with their new coach, Jeff Heron, who, if you might remember, coached more teams to state championships than any other coach in the history of Georgia. So he's obviously a good coach, brings in an unusual offense, sort of old school offense that people from all over the country come to study how he does it, but he led the Jackets to a nail-biting wind over Gaffney to start the season out right. But Anderson County's superintendent, Tom Wilson had a lot to say about what was going on in the district and the plans for the coming year.
8: Anderson school district five, we have a little over 13,000 students, around 1,800 full-time employees. We have 23 school sites, that includes adult ed. We are the largest of the five school districts in Anderson in enrollment, but we are the smallest geographically, primarily because we have the city of Anderson. Um, We have 23 school sites, 11 elementary schools, two high schools, four middle schools, uh, McCants, Glenview, Southwood, Robert Anderson, and this year we're closing Lakeside, you know, which has been a middle school for us for a number of years. And on that site will be the new uh, Anderson Institute of Technology we constructed on that site.
1: How important is that Anderson Institute technology to the future of the district and the county?
8: Yeah, I, obviously we we currently have a career center, which is at the old um, McDuffie's. Folks will refer to it as that. Some call it the e-campus. Some call it Boys High. Depends on your age, um, and has served us well. Uh, but because of the some limitations in the building. You know, it's not a modern structure. So the new Anderson Institute of Technology will be a state-of-the-art facility, 120,000 square feet, around $34 million all in, turnkey, everything. Um, it's gonna really boost really the whole upstate as far as what we're able to graduate kids with Michelin in, in in the back door of it. Uh, Bosch, uh, Sergeant Metals, First Quality, Electrolux, all those and then smaller companies that need welders, need machinists, need um, um, those kind of skills coming out of out of high school and then also what's attractive about it is it's next door to Tri-County Technical College. So we'll have kids that can can go next door and take dual enrollment classes uh, come back on our campus, spend the entire day there, either Tri-County Tech or the Institute of Technology, then go back to their high school and be on the football team or in the band or cheerlead or whatever. Uh, And a lot of folks still think of career career centers like this, like an old technical high school, but every kid really should go through there, whether they're going to go to Clemson and be an engineer, whether they're going to go to Tri-County Tech, whether they're going to be be a physician or uh, or or a nurse's aide, uh, because it has a pathway for. It's not just for kids that don't want to go to a traditional baccalaureate pathway. It's for all students, and it's in that when that's opened, in partnering with districts one and two, they currently have a a fine um, career center there. So Anderson County will have two. Great facilities for all the students, all five districts, to be able to be exposed to those pathways. I know um, business and industry is excited about it because of the job market and the growth. And and you know they're like any other industry as these baby boomers age, folks. We got a lot of people working in public school that can retire. They have a lot at Michelin that can retire. So I know people are worried that if all that retired would leave, what would we do? And education is the same thing. Um, so the, career, so the, the new Career Center, Anderson Institute of Technology, I think is going to be a, a booster shot for the economy, a booster shot for workforce development. And also, we believe it will do a lot to enhance the value of 28 bypass. There's a lot of vacant land on 28 Bypass that could be developed. Uh, we were excited. We saw a new Aldi coming in you know, on, on 28 Bypass. So we, we hope to see more positive growth, um, re, uh, restaurants, grocery stores to serve this, the western part of, of Anderson District 5 and also Anderson County.
1: A lot of parents that still have that four-year college mentality would be surprised at the salaries people are making in partnership with some of the people we we're talking about with tech centers. Talk a little bit about that.
8: Yeah, it's, um, you know, you can go talk to Bosch or Michelin or any of these folks. Um, it's amazing what they offer young men and women right out of high school if they, if they employ them Many of them will actually pay for them to go to Tri County Technical College. Some will pay them while they're in class, uh, where they're getting their hourly salary. So there's some huge benefits. Um, You know, working in manufacturing now is not like it was in 1965 when there were over a dozen textile mills in this town. You know, it's it's high tech, it's um, clean, it's. you know, manufacturing's changed, and uh, it pays well because these are highly skilled jobs that people are, and many times, are using pieces of equipment that can cost millions of dollars, and uh, and, and also we're embedding what, what some people refer to as soft skills, which I like to refer to as life skills, it's about working with other people, it's about get, how do you get along, do you, can you show up on time, can you work in a group? Because modern manufacturing has changed in the fact that a lot of times there's nobody supervising a group of people. People have to solve problems on their own. They have to work together. They have to manage time. And it's all those skills that um, that folks my age learned at their dinner table with their parents, but unfortunately a lot of kids don't learn that now. So we're trying to embed that into um, into our curriculum and you know our expectations for students in fact we have a few of our elementary schools are are given the old report cards like we used to do you know works well with others assumes responsibilities for own actions you know those things that those were so those were soft skills you know they were purely not academic measurements because people will tell you that I've talked to in industry, not only in South Carolina, but in my career in Georgia. Give us people that can A, pass a drug test, don't have a criminal background, and have a high school diploma. We, we will work with them, we will teach them and train them, and they will be well compensated, and have great benefits, and can have a successful career.
1: And you mentioned that I've talked to parents who've, who've had children go through this, and they were uh, literally stunned at how high the salaries were for some of them that went through the program. That while they're still in high school, working with some of these, I mean, mm-hmm. remind people what kind of salaries people can make without going to a four year school. Now. Yeah, I mean, it's fifty,
8: sixty thousand um, dollars. The um, and we we're starting to really branch out, trying to get more apprenticeship programs where kids can go in and. and or interns and understand because um, the worst career development is a four-year degree if folks go to college for four years I want to be a teacher well after four years they find out I really don't like kids you know and then what do you do so the more experiences they can have if they want to be a teacher they want to be you know we have kids that want to be a veterinarian well, we'll have a vet program at the Anderson Institute of Technology. Well, they may find out they may not want to be a vet when they're cleaning kennels all day. And so the more experiences we can give students to find out exactly what their passion is, um, because you've got to be, the only way to be happy in life is to be in a vocation that's your avocation. And um, so that's what the Career Center is about to give kids opportunities to explore things, to find their niche. to It can be all the way from broadcast media to mechatronics, to welding, to automotive repair. And um, it brings relevance. And um, so I'm excited, you know, we have a great new director, Bob Couch is joining us. He's coming from uh, the Columbia area, well-known around the Southeast. Highly thought of from everybody that's in, in CTE, Kate education, career and technical education. He is probably the number one person that people think of in the state. We're very fortunate to get Dr. Couch, and he's opened a career center before, so he'll know from the ground up uh, to start working with businesses and partnerships and, and get things off the ground. And you were telling me he's a native of this
1: area, so it's a homecoming for him as well. He's yeah, not,
8: and what he's not he, a stranger to Anderson. Yeah, and what he liked about the Upstate. Is I asked him why. You know, you got a great situation, and I think what one of the things that he that impressed him about the Upstate is this is manufacturing. You know, this we're it's maybe different than the Midlands. Um, you know, we, it's a lot more opportunities to build partnerships with business and industry, and also where kids can go into those companies either after high school, after Tri County Technical College, or after a degree at Clemson or Georgia Tech or wherever. And um, so that, I think that's attracted one of. The, and I, though his son, I believe, works at Clemson, um, so he's coming home, so to speak.
1: Um, you got uh, a new school year that'll be here like sooner than anybody yeah. thinks. What What are some of the major uh, Events, challenges, uh, things coming up in Anderson County School District 5 for the 2017-2018 the school year?
8: Well, one of the things that, that we've done over the last few years, you know, we, we've obviously enhanced a lot of our facilities through the sales tax. We've put a lot of money into both high schools, <clears throat> which rightly so, they, um, they needed it. And serve a lot of kids. We're very proud of that. We're building a new career center. We're demolishing Lakeside. We're selling about 19 acres, up to 18 or 19 acres of frontage on McCants' property. We, we have a contract now, and they're in the due diligence period now, but we hope that will go through. Does that include the bowl there? That, mm. Will somebody fill that in? Yeah, that the bowl been? will be gone.
1: Okay.
8: And um, so we're excited about that. Number one, we will take the proceeds off of that. And put into the McCants building, enhance it. Uh, it's got a new roof on it. We just put a nine hundred thousand dollar roof on it. Do some work with HVAC, floor covering, some safety concerns, um, because we will we'll continue to have two middle schools in the Hannah cluster. Well,
1: I was going to say that was Hannah when you and I went there. Exactly. And they're going to are they going to expand it at all? Is it big enough? Or... Yeah,
8: it's big enough. Okay, it's just going to it's, it's yeah, stay about the same renovate. size. Yeah, and. Um, but a large focus for us next year moving forward is what we're doing at elementary schools. Um, you know, we've moved a lot of principals around. Um, some very veteran principals are going to some of our most challenging elementary schools. Um, our title one schools. We're also, how many title one schools we have? five elementary Five elementary okay. and then Robert Anderson is a title one. Um, We are focusing a lot of resources on elementary instruction. Uh, We are forming a team with Tana Maroney, who was principal at Whitehall, excuse me, in Whitehall is a Title I school. And their test scores rival Concord's and anybody else. And Tana had developed her template, has has proven it works, and it's very data-driven, looking at each individual child, the student growth of each individual student in a class, not just how the class is doing, but how is, each, how is every child doing, and breaking that down. She's going to head a team of uh, what we call elementary instructional improvement team. It'll be her and two or three teachers. They will work with our Title I schools. They'll go in, work with the principals work with teachers primarily to improve instruction they're not there to supervise they're not there to evaluate people they're there to sit down with teachers and let's show you how you can examine every child um so that child will grow academically we're also adding two social workers one for each cluster one for the hannah cluster and one for the Westside cluster a lot of states mandate social workers um, I don't know if Anderson Fives ever had them or not. I, maybe in the past, but a social worker, for those that don't know, it's not a—they're not a counselor. They're not a mental health person. There's someone to work the conduit between the school and the home. What's going on in the home that is—that is a barrier to this child being successful? Is it, you know, is it social factors? Is it unemployment? is it substance abuse and they'll work closely with dss and get resources that children need because we're like every district a lot of it's amazing that a lot of kids even get up and come to school you
1: have a lot of homeless
8: kids too right yeah yeah countywide at any given moment we have over a thousand homeless children and homeless doesn't mean necessarily sleeping in a box somewhere But, you know, we provide through federal grants, uh, short-term, you know, extended-stay hotels, rental homes. And um, and these kids are in these places not by their choice. And it's amazing a lot of them even come to school. And so that's what the social worker will work. Most of the work will be on elementary level because by the time a child gets in high school, they can generally – go to a counselor or principal and you know this is going on in my life i need help you know little ones you know they they can't so we're um you know the social workers will be a huge part for us we're also moving forward with sros at all our schools we're still in the contract negotiations with the city primarily over fees we're going to pay and and working with the sheriff to make sure we can get enough Um, if we can't, then we'll hire, we'll have hired security, which we've had at some of our schools. Um, we're focusing, um, like I said, the majority of our focus, we're going to continue to do what we're doing. We've seen upticks on our graduation rates at Westside, particularly at Westside, we've seen tremendous growth. Uh, we believe they will be close to 80% graduation, which five years ago they were 68%. So we've seen that. Hannah's in, in the 80s, and as you get closer to 100%, it gets harder to, you know, the kind of the law of diminishing returns. So, uh, But Corey Roberts and his team have done a great job at Westside. Um, we're increasing our dual enrollment opportunities for students where we want more juniors taking those classes, going to Tri-County Tech, going to AU, going to Clemson, and... Um, we're a big proponent of move on when ready, that when a kid you know, in the South Carolina needs to get out of this whole seat time thing and you got to go X number of days. I mean, I, I think we need to move to a case where when you, you've completed the material and you've proven proficiency, move on. And because we see it every year as soon as state testing's over. Now we try to test as late as we can because kids know as soon as state testing's over, as soon as the AP exams are over in May, near the 1st of May, and of course, for all practical purposes, students know it's pretty much over. And so the last few weeks of school, quite honestly, is not very productive because the students know I've already taken these state assessments and... Um, particularly when you're graduating two weeks before school's out. So those are some things we want to work on. I've met with our testing coordinator to test as late as we can. You know, ideally, we should give those state assessments the last week of school. And those in-the-course tests should be the the last two or three days of school. But, you know, there's a lot of issues there about getting them graded, getting back so you know where to place kids next year. But if we truly... um, wanted to improve instruction because they'd be in school longer before they take the test. Another issue we hope to address is local school districts in this state need the authority to set their own calendar when they start school, when they get out. We're mandated by the state not to start before a certain date. And what that does to us, it puts kids coming back after Christmas break to take final exams. We need to be like, Clemson and every other university or most states that they take the exams the three days, the last three days before Christmas break, and they come back and they start a new semester because we're on the four by four block. It just fits perfectly, and and quite honestly, we're sacrificing instructional improvement so someone can run a slushy machine at Myrtle Beach. Quite honestly, and I think well, that needs to be addressed and if we're truly going to move things forward in this state we need more local control because these these nine school board members they're the ones that are elected to make these decisions about how a local district should be run so yeah, we hope to to express our concerns in columbia we've got a great relationship with our delegation um we've had numerous conversations with them um but it, it You know, if you take everything off, what's best for kids, what we're doing with our calendar is not best for kids and instruction. So I guess in a a nutshell, our focus here before has been secondary. We think we have those on the right track now. You know, there were some criticisms early on. All you care about is high schools, but those high schools are the flagships. And uh, now we feel like they're going in the right direction, Instructional program strong, you know, West Side's made tremendous gains. Now we're focusing on the feeder, like, like why we moved Gary Burgell to Holman Park. Holman Park is the second highest poverty school in primary school in the state. Gary is one of the finest principals I've ever worked with, well thought of. When I met with him to give him the opportunity to go to Holman Park, he jumped on it and he was excited because he sees it you know gary could retire and go anywhere he wants to and get a job anywhere in this country because he's that skilled but gary was excited to go to holman park and and accept a challenge and turn that school around instructionally and partner with verennis because those kids will it's k2 and we have brian williams who's coming back to us he's been principal in greenville Uh, excuse me um uh, Brian's going to be at New Prospect, Tara uh, Stokes-McIntosh, who used to work in District 5. She's been down in Lawrence. She's coming back and is going to be principal at Varennes. So uh, they're going to partner because really, those that's really one school, quite honestly. So um, we've, we've, we've hired uh, Tara McIntosh, as I said, was a proven principal. Brian Williams was with us. He went to Greenville. Was at a title one school there we were able to get him back so we were able to recruit some principals with experience and then moving gary to homeland park we feel like we've uh, you know we're going to see some strong improvement in our title one schools
1: we talked about technology a little bit um, how are y'all going to continue to use technology and maybe online classes more Technology in the classroom. What, what are the plans for that?
8: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, as you know, we're one to one technology from fifth grade, you know, Chromebooks. We also have classroom sets at, at some of the elementary schools. We, you know, we, we're looking at expanding that because all the assessment now is online. So you need devices so it doesn't take you a month to test everybody. We're far better than the majority of the districts in the state. With our, In fact, we were able to test last year online um, when you had the option of paper, pencil, or online. We chose to go ahead and do online, which was good for our kids because this year, you know, it was a kind of old hat. Um, the thing with technology, where schools have made the mistake is they believe, well, we buy these devices and we give them to teachers and that's it. Well... That's only a third of it. You've got to provide resources to teach teachers how to use them, provide professional development. Then you've got to have break-fix people because, as you know, in your business, they break and they don't work or they don't boot or whatever. So we're able this year, all our schools uh, will have professional development people, uh, digital integrational specialists, which is a fancy name for technology professional development folks that will work with teachers and then um, our elementary schools will have one per each cluster to work with them because there's less technology just number wise and then also we've added break fix people at our high schools at our middle schools and then at the elementary schools uh, where they'll work in a cluster to keep things running because I can tell you, you can give a classroom teacher all this technology, but if it doesn't work, they're gonna to resort to what they know does work. And it may be, all right, get out your pencil and paper and just take notes. So where schools have made mistakes before is they've, got, they've done a third of it, but they haven't followed through with the other two thirds. So we hope that we've, we've, we're gonna improve that. Our, our downtime will be less. Um, but it's expensive, you know, technology takes a lot of people, a lot of support and, um, but we're, we're proud we're able to get it in our budget and, and move forward with it. So, um, this year's budget purely is all instructional based to improve instruction and it, it, technically every year is, but there's some years, you know, you, you may have, a, a uh, other things you're buying you're trying to do or whatever but we're really focusing on elementary instruction and support and you know and obviously the technology support at all the schools
1: you mentioned resource officers um how important is the the safety factor because everybody's always talking about that and you've got some older schools here that are a
8: little bit harder to secure what are y'all doing this year for that well you know we've got um you know we've got secure entry at most of our schools, or the vast majority, you know, West Side is one of those schools that's hard to secure. McCants is because of the buildings it was built. Lakeside was, of course, that's gonna be demolished. Um, we just try to do due diligence, uh, kind of see something, say something. Uh, the SROs uh, and the hired security, you know, the cars are a deterrent, we try to have signage. Um, you, know, you try to just be as proactive as you can. Unfortunately, you know we live in a society that, if 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 a person is determined to do an irrational act, you know it's very difficult sometimes to stop it. And we've seen it recently, as you know, in in uh, London and now in Paris yesterday. Uh, you know, it's just. But our teachers are aware of it. We practice. We practice drills. We practice lockdowns. We uh, have radios to communicate in emergencies. Uh, we have a good relationship with the sheriff's department and the police department. And um, you know, the main thing is is try to do everything in your power to make a school as safe as you can. Schools, you know, you know, they weren't built to be prisons. And, you know, we could build a 20-foot fence with razor wire around them, and and they still wouldn't, you couldn't guarantee, just like you can't guarantee a prison is safe. But, and I don't, you know, and hopefully we never get to that point. Um, But, you know, there's some schools around the country that are almost like that. And, um, but again, you know, we're a, um, one of the best things I think about Anderson that, you know, we're a public school community. You know, we have some private schools, some religious privates, which is great. We have homeschool. That's certainly a parent's choice. But the vast majority, just like nationwide, the vast majority of children are in public schools. And I and I think there's a vested interest from our community. We've had people will call. They'll see something. And we like that. Um, and we, we follow up on every lead. But... Again, it's a lot of it's just like you'll see at the airports. You see something, you say something. And the majority of times we've been able to find weapons on campus, uh, drugs, is when a student trusts an adult enough to go to them. And it's been that way since I was a high school principal. You know, we used to do drug searches and this and that. The only time I ever found things was when students went and said, Mr. Wilson, you need to check John Doe out. And all that is about relationships and about trust. And that's why you'll see it a lot where they'll go to a coach or a counselor or a teacher or you know someone they're really close to, a band director, people they spend a lot of time with, and, um, and we follow up.
1: And that's one of the new things you mentioned. Uh, I think all of your schools have had active assailant uh training mm-hmm. and that's something new for teachers that have to be yeah trained what happens if somebody comes but but they've all gone through organ i mean very systematic training yeah. on what to do and which makes them a little
8: yeah you know, intruder alert training active shooter training in fact the sheriff's department is going to use lakeside before it's demolished for some training i think they're going to blow some doors and really do you know? It's, it's rare they get a building that size that's about to be demolished. They had to
1: do that in the Bales Building. They love blowing those doors. Yeah, yeah,
8: yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, they in fact they told me I could come and set the charge, you know. But it's uh, but it's all about partnerships, and and, um, and we've got a good relationship with all of them, and, um, and and it takes everybody to keep anything, whether it's a community or a school, safe. Uh, You've had some huge
1: uh, forward movement in athletics. Mm-hmm. Where's that going to go this year? What are we looking at this year for that? I mean, you got anything new planned or
8: no? Well, we you know we've hired a new coach at T.O. Hannah, who I think you've met. Uh, coach Heron brings wealth of experience, two hundred eighty-seven wins, five state championships. You know he had a career in Georgia. Uh, he and I had never worked together. We'd kind of crossed paths a couple of times. I know they're working hard. Uh, Westside, um, uh, as far as football, uh, well, all their sports, and the same with Hannah, you know, they've been very competitive in the region. Uh, Westside, I did find out yesterday, I think they're ranked third in preseason for next year going out. Of course, they'll tell you preseason really doesn't matter as how you end up. But, um, you know, West side has got a good core Uh, Of course, Coach Early, is this be his fourth year, so those kids are kind of ingrained in the program. Coach Heron's building that. He's hired some good assistants. He's hired two ex-head football coaches as assistants. Uh, We've tried to be supportive to help them recruit coaches. Um, And, um, you know, so I'm confident he's going to build that program. You know, of course, we have the -the state-of-the-art facilities um, with the field houses and the fields and the turf and – and school boards and all those things, and um, and that was one of the things we were able to recruit him because of that. So I, I, I'm confident both schools will be competitive, and because um, what wins in high school is the program. Those kids, they when they're in the seventh grade, they weigh 105 pounds and skinny little arms, and and all of a sudden by the time they're juniors you know, they're 220 pounds and they've been in it, and they've been in lifting and they've been buying in and they've done everything you ask. And a lot of those kids will never play after they leave high school, the vast majority won't. But they're part of it and they, they, they want to be a yellow jacket or be around and then they'll graduate and go off and go to college or go to work and, and contribute and, and get those benefits from being a member of a team and sacrifice, all those things you learn, um, you know, from being a member of a team and that's sort of some valuable lessons. So we're, we're, we're proud of our athletic programs. You know, I get beat up sometimes. All you care about is football and, and that's certainly not true. Um, you know, we, we stress academics, arts, and athletics and we put a lot of money into all of them. You know, obviously the majority in academics. But um, both high schools are, are moving well. Uh, we're excited to have one middle school feeding West Side when Robert Anderson, when the kids from Lakeside move there. That's gonna be an easier transition. You know, Hannah still has McCants and Glenview. Of course, we have Southwood. We've got about 138th graders there that will go to either one. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I feel good where the high schools are going um one of the challenges we have is to convince people in the community that we are a school system not a system of schools because there's a tendency sometimes from people and even some employees as long as my school's doing well that's all it that matters and for this community to grow and be what we want it to be we got to have all our schools successful whether you, you, whether it's New Prospect or Concord or Westside or Hannah, it's fine to have rivalries, and that, that's good. But, you know, you can't make it where I only feel good about me if somebody else is doing bad. That's not the way to build a community. And, um, and we're working on that. Um, you know, let's compete on when we compete. But other than that, we need each of us to be successful
1: isn't it true that most studies indicate that there's a direct correlation between athletic participation and academic excellence oh yeah yeah there's people our, don't talk about that very much mm-hmm. they think about athletics or academics but studies indicate that schools and districts that have the highest percentage of athletic participation have the highest, highest.
8: yeah and, and same whether it's banned kids that participate in something whether it's sports, whether it's band, whether it's drama, they perform better academically than. And you can look at it even when my own children, when their sport was in a season, they did better than they did when they w- were in off season. You know they had less time, so they're crunching harder. They just have to be more disciplined, more focused, because you come home from practice and you got to get your homework done, be ready for tomorrow, go to bed because you got to get up and. Get going, well, but you're right. There's there's tons of studies that show that they perform. All students perform better if they're involved in something after school, other than just hanging out, and um, and that's why we encourage our athletes. You know, we play something in the fall, something in the winter, and something in the spring. Don't. There's a tendency now. Well, I want to play basketball year-round. I want to play baseball year-round because I'm going to be in the major leagues or I'm going to be in the NBA. Look at the people who actually get a paycheck. ever. That Just look at Anderson. How many people from Anderson have ever gotten a paycheck for playing in the National Football League or the NBA? Very few. Very few. And you compare that to the people who have graduated from these schools that are doctors and lawyers and... Preachers and teachers and good citizens, and, you know, they may be working at Michelin, or, you know, they're contributing, they're successful. Uh, That's what high school's all about. Our job's not to prepare people to be in the National Football League or Major League Baseball, because your chances of winning the lottery are about the same as as ever getting a, a National Football League contract.
1: Last time we met, we talked. We were talking, still talking about the penny sales tax. You want to remind people of what all that was able to accomplish because of the penny?
8: Yeah, it's um, if I can remember all we've done. You know, it's this countywide. It's generating around somewhere around one point eight to two million dollars a month for Anderson County. And bear in mind that thirty percent, estimated thirty percent of that money comes from people don't live here. So really. Um, all these people that are driving through are helping pay for all this stuff the money's prorated out based on enrollment of the districts Anderson 5 gets 40% of the money because we have 40% of the kids what we've been able to do um, is all the technology support the one-to-one technology we have bought five uh, new activity buses We've bought, uh, we put a roof on Westside, a roof on Hannah, a roof on McCants. We're completing a 28-classroom addition at Robert Anderson. We're demolishing Lakeside. We're paying 70% of the construction for the new career center because we'll have 70% of the kids there. We built new field houses at Hannah and Westside. We put artificial turf in the stadiums. We rebuilt the tracks. School boards, renovated and air-conditioned the uh, press boxes. Um, did some enhancement on athletic fields. We built two new band storage buildings. We got rid of all those containers in front of Hannah that was such an eyesore. All that's gone. We reconfigured that practice field. Um, we bought new trucks, you know, big, I don't know, 20-foot, U-Haul trucks for Hannah and Westside for Bann. Uh, we bought some additional uh, golf carts and things like that for operational security at both schools. Um, we renovated the Westside cafeteria. We're also renovating Hanna. We've, we've done some renovations of Hannah. We're going to finish it this summer. We're painting this summer. One of the things that District 5 has not done, and it was probably because of money, we want to come up with a scheduled preventative maintenance program. Like, for example, every year, every summer, we should paint one to two schools. And this summer, we're painting McLeese, the inside of McLeese, and also Midway. And we're redoing the parking lots at both of those schools. They've been there a good while. They have cracks. You can't see the lines. They fade. So they'll, they're going to repave everything. Paint the whole insides of both those schools. We're painting the exterior of Nevitt Forest, so we hope to appropriate a quarter million dollars a year for prevent for those kind of jobs: painting, redoing parking lots, uh, just general upkeep, uh, fencing. You know, we're replacing a lot of fencing at that. We did a lot last year, but some more at West Side. The old rusted galvanized stuff—it's it, just an eyesore you know it's bent it just looks bad because um you know number one it it, it protects your investment it's just like your home and um you know it's it's like john kennedy said the best time to fix your roof is when it's not raining and so that's what we want to do is fix these things before we have to um yeah we're real big on how schools look uh grass cutting uh, Buildings and ground knows I'm passionate about how these yards look because the majority of people in the community, it's been estimated that 70% of people in the community have not been on a school campus in the last year. We think everybody does, but a lot of people just ride by. They hadn't been on a campus in 10 years, but when they ride by, they see it, and we want to send a message that this is a professional, that it's first class, we take pride in these projects, We take pride in these schools and maintaining them, um, you know, so they look pleasing to the community. So when people want to move here and they ride around, they go, wow, look how they're taking care of their schools. They must care about their kids. So.
1: Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that parents of, that have kids in District 5 or just citizens are going to notice about this coming year or things you want to let them know about the coming school year?
8: Well, what we've tried to do, we've hired a, 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 a she intern with us to um, a young lady that's going to do all our social media, you know, Twitter, it's you know, Facebook, all that stuff that my generation perhaps doesn't get their news from there. But we find that more parents will go on our Facebook page, especially millennials. I mean, that's how they get it. And so we're really trying to stay ahead of that game. She does a great job of, of you know, especially on snow day. You know, they're waiting to get a tweet whether school's going to be canceled or not. We do a lot with athletics with it on updates of scores and and games. We're trying to do more live feed. We did it on graduation, and we put it on our website. People can watch it. We're trying to be more communicative that way, um, and I think parents just need to understand that as, as a parent, I would encourage you, number one, for your child's principal to know you and for your child's counselor to know you, particularly when they get up and in, in the higher grades and not that you got to be up there but just where they know you they know who your child is uh and have that relationship so you could they you'll feel comfortable going in you know a lot of parents unfortunately visiting a school is not a good experience for them maybe the child's had problems but we want to build those relationships and and know that the door is open um we our goal is to make every decision that's in the best interest of a child not an adult but unfortunately if you say yes to somebody some sometimes it requires you to say no to somebody else and some people equate no with i don't like you and that's not the case i mean we're trying to do the best we can for kids you know we're here to make decisions on their best interests, not adults, and um, and we try to do that. But but we also aware that, and I tell principals that you got to understand every parent loves their child as much as you love yours, and and we need to realize that that when a parent is maybe upset with a school, it's, it's you know they're doing just what any parent wants to do is is fight for their child and if they believe their child's been wrong. So we work to to improve that, and um, we're very fortunate to have a lot of supportive parents, booster clubs, PTAs, um, you know, that that contribute a lot of money, a lot of work, a lot of time, and uh, we hope they'll uh, continue to do that. So, if people want to find out
1: more information, is social media now the way to go, or just your website, or what should? Well,
8: we have a lot on the website. Um, you know, they—I get emails from parents. <clears throat> you know, everything's accessible now. We have a director of external affairs that, uh, Kyle Newton. He gets a lot of requests, primarily through the media, or we'll get parents. I mean, I get students that email me questions, which some people say I can't. Well, to me, that's kind of cool that they feel comfortable enough. Number one, they know who the superintendent is. And um, now I do get blamed for a lot of stuff. I was in a local grocery store, this is a true story. The guy that works here, he goes to the West Side. he just graduated and I've met him over the last year or so. And um, he wanted to know why they had to ride the bus to graduation practice in Greenville. And I was like, I don't know. He goes, well, everybody said it was your decision and I said, I had nothing to do with it. So I even got blamed for, you know, making kids ride a school bus. But it's kind of neat that a lot of kids will email me, ask me a question, and a lot of times I may refer them to the principal. But I think it's kind of cool.
1: I think he's right. I think uh, you, can, you can also watch that interview at the YouTube Anderson Observer, News from People You Trust YouTube site. Uh, we appreciate all the superintendents. And I think if you have a student in any of the Anderson County schools, you'll find all of the school superintendents very accessible and very responsive to any questions you have or any needs you might have. And I said I would end up with uh, a few things that uh, you might find interesting. Uh, We're going to have some announcements from the Anderson Observer coming up before the 1st of October, I think people will be excited about and we will also, again, have multiple podcasts going on this week to update you on all the superintendents as schools get as schools get started back. With a few things, some news you may not have known, uh, you know, I did talk to the, the folks from Arnold's, and we did talk about they vote in Powdersville. They've got a Malden location coming for Arnold's, and it, there'll be a story this week in the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust about Arnold's franchising out and following a model on that. It's a good story. I uh, hope you can get a chance to read that. Also, uh, Powdersville has got a new Dunkin' Donuts coming. Um, corporate is supposed to give me a call this week and give me the information. Um, the Little Caesars is coming to the old TTI building out on the bypass, so if you hadn't been out there, there's going to be a new pizza place out there. And a lot of other things going on downtown that we can't talk about quite yet, but we will be talking about soon. There will be a new feature in beginning in October in the Anderson Observer newspaper that will have... Uh, bits and pieces of news of things that are to come before the stories even develop so we'll we'll try to have news before there's a full story there for you and hopefully it'll be things that uh, everybody in the county will find interesting and also helpful as as the days go by i want to remind you before we leave that coming uh labor day weekend is celebrate anderson this year featuring country music star sarah evans who i think has a new album out this summer uh, coming in um so I know a lot of people come out for the fireworks and just for all, there'll be a lot of events going on out at Celebrate Anderson. It's sort of the one time a year the whole county can gather together on um, for that kind of thing, for music and fireworks, lots of events. You can check it out on their Facebook page, Celebrate Anderson 2017, or you can read more about it in the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. And that is it for this edition of the podcast. Join me again here later in the week. I will have updates and more interviews with the superintendents. But until next time, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.
0: please with the calling